Hello, and welcome to the Skeleton Factory Podcast, episode, episode 37. 37. This is Adam coming to you from Austin, Texas, and today we'll be taking a look at the film Vice Squad from 1982, directed by Gary A. Sherman. 1982, 40 years ago this year, and this film is absolutely fantastic. It has all of the uh, trappings of a awesome crime drama, maybe even grindhouse film, psychological thriller, even moments of humor. But it's um, it's got everything. It's got sex. It's got violence, and it's got a pretty damn decent story. And you know, not too many lapses of logic, and it's got a fucking terrifying bad guy. So, Gary A. Sherman, also known as just Gary Sherman, depending on which one of his projects you're looking at, you may know him as being the director of Poltergeist 3 from 1988. Also, a fucking really good sequel to, you know, a movie that was such a big deal, uh, meaning Poltergeist. But, uh, you know what? Poltergeist 1, 2, and 3? I don't think the Poltergeist movies get nearly as much as much props as they should. All the other movies of the time kind of get all the accolades, I think. I think kind of... I think people think, like, the Amityville horror is, like... You know, Amityville 1 was, you know, pretty good. 2 was pretty good. Even the remake was decent, but it's like, come on, man, Poltergeist? And I I am not, if you've listened to this show long enough, you know that I'm not really into um, movies where people's houses are haunted. Because I, I, I don't know. At one point, <laughs> I was, when I was younger, I was, you know, like a haunted house. Ghosts and spooky shit like that were... Like, I could totally buy into that, but I I don't know. I think in the era of, like, paranormal activity and The Conjuring and movies like that, like, it's like, bro, your fucking house isn't haunted, okay? I just, I don't know. As I've gotten older, I just, it's like, I don't think anything is fucking haunted, really. Um... (laughs) I think there's places that maybe coincidentally have been very unlucky places for people. You know what I mean? But I don't think places are can be haunted. Otherwise, hospitals would be the most haunted places on earth. You know, I, I pretty much every other house in any neighborhood in this country would be haunted. Because you'd be shocked how many people die in their house. A lot of people. My fucking stepdad died in the house I grew up in. You know what I mean? No one's acting like that house is fucking haunted. You know, my my great-grandma died in her house and shit. But n- never at any point did we think that the fucking, you know, her house was haunted. Yeah. But uh, Poltergeist 1, 2, and 3, I'm into it. I'm into it. It's just the... It, it's not played... As scientific, like some sort of scientific anomaly that has to be solved. Like, and for me, it needs to be very fantastical. 
Like you opened up a portal into another dimension or some shit. Like the gate or something. Not that the gate is necessarily a haunted house movie or anything, but Poltergeist 3 is fucking great. It's, if you already seen, like, you already know Poltergeist 1 and 2, right? It takes place in, one is at their house, and they realize that their uh, house was built on an ancient Indian burial ground, so that makes their house haunted. And then 2 was, if I'm remembering this correctly, the family moves, but the fucking evil followed them anyways. Because they were they wanted their daughter. And then three takes place in this like really nice modern state of the art apartment that's like in a skyscraper. <laughs> it's pretty sick actually. Um but yeah, yeah, Gary Sherman directed Poltergeist Three. He also uh directed a movie called Lisa that uh from nineteen eighty nine that I was not I wasn't aware he directed until I was actually doing research for this episode. And I remember watching Lisa all the time on like HBO or Cinemax or something like that. It was always on late at night and my brother and I would watch it all the time. And it's basically about this really handsome dude who becomes obsessed with women and he's a serial killer, but the way he kills women is he'll, leave a message on their machine when they're not home saying like, um, like, hi, Lisa, this is Richard. The killer's name is Richard. Hi, Lisa, this is Richard. I'm in your home and I'm going to kill you. So when the women are like, oh, that's, this is a really creepy message. Someone uh, left me like Richard would just appear from the shadows and murder and murder them inside their own house. You know, it's kind of American Psycho-ish a little bit. Um, but fuck, I watched that movie a million goddamn times with my brother. And I totally forgot about it until I was doing research for this. And now I'm like, fuck, I need to watch Lisa again. So maybe next time, maybe if my brother ever comes to visit Texas, we'll sit down and watch Lisa. Or maybe I'll do it for, um, I don't know, maybe I'll do a commentary track or something. Or maybe I'll just watch it and talk about it on an episode or something. But, uh, yeah, let's see. What else? I mean, Gary Sherman did, uh, he did some horror. Before he did Vice Squad, he did Dead and Buried. And then uh, a couple years before he did Poltergeist 3, he did Wanted Dead or Alive with Rucker Hauer. So he's done some uh, pretty cool shit. But before I get too far ahead of myself, I just want to let you all, um, bring you all up to date. Uh, we are officially on Patreon. Yes, it is true. You can go to patreon.com and look up Skeleton Factory. And you could... Become a patron for the show. And we're going to have a, um, I'm going to kind of run the classic tiered system for Patreon. So I'm going to have extra episodes. I'm going to have commentary tracks and eventually uh, get into doing uh, videos. So 
right now it's pretty damn bare bones. But if you go to Patreon and look up Skeleton Factory, you can go support the show. And if you've been a uh, longtime listener, I thank you for listening. And if you can uh, contribute and become a patron and support the show, I would greatly appreciate it. Okay? Fantastic. Now, let's jump back into Vice Squad. So, we are in Los Angeles, California. You know, where all the movies in the 80s took place. And we are introduced to the character of Princess, played by Season Hubley, who's going to be our protagonist for this film. And uh, Princess lives in a nice suburban home with her young daughter, Lisa. Isn't that funny? Her name is Lisa. (laughs) And Gary Sherman had a movie called Lisa. So Um, Maybe they're in the same universe. Who knows? Oh, my God. I might have to go back and watch Lisa and see if it's somehow tied to this movie in some way. Um, But Princess is getting uh, her daughter Lisa ready to go on a bus trip to San Diego with her grandma, well, to go see her grandma. And Princess gets a call from her friend Ginger. And Ginger is visibly upset. She's calling from like a really scummy-looking motel room and Ginger explains that she ran off on her pimp named Ramrod, who's played by Wings Hauser, and took $500 that she owed him and just split, which is, you know, if you have a pimp, that's not good. You think no call, no show at your job is bad. Try being a try being a prostitute sometime. You know, that's there's there's fucking physical um penalties for, you know, not playing paying your pimp. So Ginger calls Princess and explains that Ramrod beat the shit out of her. And uh this was kind of if you've seen this movie now, if you've seen Vice Squad, there's like a couple of things that are kind of weird and wonky and stuff, but just kind of happen to fit together in this movie. For the most part, the movie's completely coherent and everything moves at such a brisk pace that you don't really notice too many of the mistakes. But uh, yeah, so Ramrod beat the shit out of Ginger. Ginger split on him, and now she's held up at this uh, motel room. And uh, Princess explains to Ginger that. She has to go drop off her daughter, and then she has to go meet up with Detective Walsh, paid by Gary Swanson, at 9 o'clock that night. So she says once she's done with that, she'll go meet up with her. So now we go to Princess uh, dropping off Lisa at the at the like Greyhound station with uh, her friend Beatrice. And they're all just uncontrollably crying. Like they're all weeping. It's like, it's like, dude, she's just going to visit your fucking, (laughs) 
Lisa's going to visit her grandma. You know what I mean? It's it's not like she's going to be gone forever. Or maybe she is. I don't know. The movie didn't really establish that. But it just kind of seemed like, oh, I'm going to send you off to your grandma's for the weekend or some shit. But, like, Lisa's crying and Beatrice is crying and fucking Princess is crying. And it's the whole thing. She puts her on the bus, waves goodbye. And then we cut to the bus station bathroom where Princess has shed her button-down pedestrian mom clothes, you know, for her purple hooker dress with a full face of makeup. So Princess, <laughs> Princess's profession is she's a prostitute. And it would appear that during the daytime, she's just a regular mom, and then at night, she hits the streets and becomes a prostitute. It's kind of like that movie Angel where that there's like a teenage girl who's like a really good student. <laughs> but at night, she's a hooker <laughs> for some reason. I don't know. If you've ever seen the Angel movies, there's, there's a few of them. Uh, anyways, so Princess comes out of the bathroom with her, you know, in her hooker dress and smoking a cigarette and um, an undercover cop rolls up to pick her up for, you know, for a date. But princess is too smart for that and tells him uh, she doesn't date cops. And, and uh, the guy's basically, he's like, yeah, she, she knows that I'm a fucking cop. So you could tell that princess has been a prostitute for a while, and she she knows the streets, okay? She knows how not to get busted, you know? So then we cut to, um, we cut to downtown Hollywood where a well-dressed, middle-aged guy in, like, a Mercedes-Benz convertible and, and as nice as can be asked if she does golden showers. He's like, I, do you do golden showers? I have $100. And she just, <laughs> and uh, she accepts and just jumps in the fucking car, right? So, uh, I'm actually gonna. I tried to keep a tally of how many clients Princess has because this entire movie takes place in the course of one night. So, there's all these. Every time she has a client. It's rather really weird or it's kind of traumatic. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to keep a running total of how many, how many uh, Johns she serviced in this one evening. And uh, so there's golden shower piss guy. So that's, that's one. <laughs> so I'm just going to kind of keep a running total as we go along here. I might miss one or two here and there, but um, I'm just going to go ahead and keep a total. Kind of like Joe Bob Briggs, you know, where he has a total of how many beheadings and boobs and <laughs> and whatnot. So we are introduced to our villain, Ramrod, played by Wings Hauser. And in our... And he's, like, driving the most badass fucking Ford Bronco I've ever seen. And if you, like, if you, if you haven't seen the movie, see if you can just look it up. See if you can look up Ramrod's, if you can look up Wing Hauser's Ford Bronco from Vice Squad. It's the most badass fucking uh, 
Bronco ever. Okay, so and so he's got his badass Bronco, and he's dressed head to toe like a cowboy. So and you know what he looks like? He kind of looks like he kind of looks like David Hasselhoff. So if you don't know what Wings, who Wings Hauser looks like, he kind of looks like he kind of looks like a uh, if if you could picture a David Hasselhoff stunt double, that's who Wings Hauser looks like. It's like a David Hasselhoff stunt double or lookalike who goes to, I don't know, kids' parties or bar mitzvahs or some shit. So he rolls up to Ginger's motel room. So he finds Ginger, which is not good because she ran off on him. And she couldn't go stay in a motel like in Long Beach or in fucking (laughs) anywhere besides... Uh, the immediate area where Ramrod can easily find her. She just, he immediately finds out where she's staying. And he knocks on the door and he's like, come on, let me in, baby. I just want to love you. I'm sorry. You know, I ain't never going to hit you and whatever. And, and Ginger is, doesn't want to open the door, you know, cause she just took a beating from this guy and now she's completely terrified of him and, He's like, come on, baby. He's like, I didn't even put my hands on you. So it's like a typical abusive relationship where, you know, he is totally abusive and she is totally in his hypnotic spell and doesn't want to admit that she's, um, you know, the victim of his uh, violence. So he's like, come on, baby, open the door, you know, just let me in. You know, it's just a misunderstanding. You know, I don't want to hurt you. And the second she cracks the door open, <laughs> Ramrod just reaches in and snatches her by his by her head and shuts the door. And he just looks at her and is like, I can't believe how stupid you are. And then he goes and ties her wrist and ankles to the bed and gags her. And... The word on the street is that Ginger is going to leave Ramrod and go outlaw, which is a term meaning a hooker that has no pimp. So a prostitute with no representation whatsoever, the protection of a pimp. They're just, and that's what princess is. Princess would be considered an outlaw. She just is in, she doesn't pay commission. <laughs> She she doesn't she doesn't kick back any commission to a pimp. She just uh keeps one hundred percent of the proceeds, which is that seems like the way to go. So he f- uh throws on the bed and fashions a wire hanger into this like like w- beating whipping device and just starts in on her. We cut to our hero cop for the movie. Sergeant Tom Walsh, played by Gary Swanson, with his rookie partner, and they're on a uh, vice squad busting uh, prostitution. That's kind of like their main deal. So they're kind of on a stakeout, and he's basically breaking in his rookie partner. And they're going over all the like sex worker lingo, and uh, there's... The half and half, which means uh, half oral sex 
and half vaginal sex. Okay, there's like a menu for prostitution. Uh, there's the around the world, which would consist of a anal sex, oral sex, and vaginal sex. And um, I guess it's up to the customer to decide in which order those takes place, I would assume. And, of course, there's golden showers, which we've established uh, before. And Princess, you know, for a cool $100, Princess is down. So, after busting some random streetwalker, they... they go back to the station and it's completely crowded. It's filled with teenage needle junkies and tranny prostitutes and drug zombies and pimps. And a lot of people got, are, <laughs> got fucking arrested that night. So there's this like weird scene in the mi middle of all this where there's like a very large, angry black cop bust out of the main office into the waiting room. And he's screaming about someone stealing his paper clips. And he's very pissed about this. He's very, very pissed that the paper clips that I assume he bought with his own money, that he brought to the office, somebody stole them. Probably off his desk, which, you know, that's, that'll make somebody, someone feel violated, you know? It's just little moments like that are kind of sprinkled around the movie. There's these weird little humorous moments. And I don't feel like they're out of place too much. Like it does kind of kind of soften the rough edges of this movie because things are pretty intense in this movie. Things are pretty violent. There's a lot of people like screaming and cussing and uh, shooting at each other and uh, screaming expletives and, you know, about every few minutes, you need something that's a little funny just to kind of lighten the mood a little bit. And the movie does a great job at that. So we have the little, we, we have the, the paper clips, who stole my paper clip scene. And then we cut to uh, Walsh is coming in with the hooker that him and his rookie just busted. And there are also with um, a couple other members of his vice squad that appears throughout the entire movie. Uh, but one of them is uh, the dude who's uh, Angel Fernandez from Scarface. If you ever seen Scarface, Brian De Palma's 1983 film, Scarface. <laughs> you know, when Tony Montana goes to the motel room, the fucking, uh, they both get brought into the fucking tub, and Tony has to watch fucking his friend Angel get <laughs> chopped up with a chainsaw in the bathtub. Yeah, that guy. That guy's in this movie. He's uh, one of the uh, one of the officers in the uh, vice squad. So I was like, "Oh, that's that's cool." So uh, Ginger is at the hospital at this point. So she was able to make it to the hospital. Like we don't see what Ramrod did to her, but she's now at the hospital and. Uh, so Walsh gets called over to the hospital and when he gets there, it's like, she's in a bed on life support and she got the fucking shit kicked out of her. Like she is 
fucking. <laughs> she looks like she got dragged behind fucking ramrods, like Bronco. That's how fucking mutilated she looks. And the doctor explains to Walsh that she suffered genital mutilation with uh, with an implement uh, called a pimp stick, which is a coat hanger, a metal coat hanger that's folded into almost like a whisk-like beating tool and vaginal mutilation device. So that's what uh, Ramrod was making when he was, you know, after he tied Ginger up to the bed and very, very disturbing. They don't show this, but they don't really need to. Like it's, it's inferred that this guy's a fucking animal and he's about to do something really terrible to this poor woman. And we don't see it, but you know, it's enough is inferred where you're just like, fuck, this is a, uh, this is a bad dude. This ramrod guy is a fucking bad dude. So Walsh tries to get Ginger to tell him that Ramrod did this to her because then he can just go get fucking Ramrod for this. Cause this woman is like, <laughs> she's barely alive. And he's like, come on, you need to tell me that fucking Ramrod did this so I can go get him. And even in her, her dying breaths, she's, she not only denies it, but even believes she believes that Ramrod actually loves her. He's just like, even though she's dying, he's like, oh, yeah, he would never hurt me. He loves me. <laughs> and then fucking, and then Ginger dies. You know, her, the machine flatlines. And it's kind of funny because, like, no one reacts when she dies. Like, there's a doctor in the room. Like, no one tries to resuscitate her. They just, like, Walsh just calmly pulls a sheet over her head and Ginger dies. No more Ginger in the movie. She's dead. Uh, I mean, she's she's going to pop up later, but, I mean, she's still dead later. So Walsh tells one of his uh, one of his detectives, bring Princess down here to the hospital. Because I guess he was supposed to meet her at the station, and that's where she is. But he's like, no, bring her down here right now. So... Princess shows up at the hospital and she's completely unaware that Ginger is dead. And Ginger, as you remember, is a friend of hers. You know, they were supposed to meet up, but obviously they didn't. And she's unaware that Ginger's dead uh, when she arrives at the hospital. So she is told to meet Walsh at the morgue at the hospital. And Princess is like, what the fuck are you doing, Walsh? Like, this is pretty morbid. Why are we meeting in a fucking morgue. There's like bodies, you know, on gurneys dead with sheets over them and shit. And I guess princess had a drug charge. Um, and it's not a hundred percent clear, but it seems like she was just holding drugs f possibly for ginger and princess doesn't do drugs. So she's trying to tell Walsh, like, look, give me a break break I don't you know I don't do drugs you know I was just I was just holding and it's not even like a lot whatever you know she's trying to talk her way out of you know basically getting busted for possession 
and and pr- so basically princess has a drug charge that walsh can make it go away if she helps the cops get ramrod okay basically want to use her as bait to catch ramrod in the act of assaulting a prostitute because that's like his thing that's his mo he's this like sadistic pimp who likes to torture prostitutes so and walsh knows that he killed ginger but he needs to he needs something a little more solid to actually be able to pin all this shit on him so so princess knows that involves putting herself in harm's way if she helps Walsh like set up Ramrod to get Ramrod, right? But she doesn't have a choice. She can rather go to jail for some bullshit drug charge. And Walsh knows that Princess has a daughter. She's like, you can rather go to prison, okay, and lose your daughter, or you can help us get Ramrod. And Princess is like, Ramrod's a fucking animal. Like, I could get fucking fucked up. He might kill me. I don't know what's going to fucking happen if I try to help you guys. Like, I'm putting myself in harm's way. And Walsh was like, you don't have a fucking choice. You got to help us. So, Walsh is like, look, what about, uh, if you're apprehensive about helping us, why don't you ask your friend Ginger if you should help us, you know? And she's like, she's like, what, did you bust Ginger too? And he's like, uh, not exactly. And he kind of casually walks her towards this gurney and then throws the sheet off to show Ginger's dead, beaten, and violated body laying on a stretcher, and Princess completely loses her shit. She begins fucking just screaming and crying, and she agrees to help Walsh, but fucking uh, Susan Hubley, who is... That is princess. That's the actress that uh, that played princess. Like, just fucking superb acting. You know, like there's a there's a lot going on. The character's really complex. Actually, she's not just some like cartoonish prostitute. Like she <laughs> goes through a quite the variety of emotions in this movie. And season who does a super good job. So, so she gathers herself, and then we just jump to. Um, princess strolling into this bar slash strip club that apparently is only patronized by pimps. That's what it looks like. So she got, she basically has a, a wire in her purse. It's basically, a, she's got a fucking tape recorder in her purse. So Walsh's team is like outside monitoring everything that's happening because she basically has to make herself visible to Ramrod so that Ramrod can approach her without giving herself away. You know what I mean? Because if she, if you know, if Ramrod thinks that she's working with the cops, then that's, that's not going to end well for her. So she gets Ramrod's attention and he notices that she's, she's an outlaw. Okay, she has no pimp. She rolled into this pimp bar alone. And he rolls up to her like, 
hey, beautiful, can I buy you a drink? And then, like, two seconds later, he's got her by her hair, like, bitch, you need a real man. And (laughs) if I'm going to take your application, then we need to go back to my place so that I can take you for a test drive. Like, you know, shit like that. And he, like, puts puts his fingers in her mouth and is like, you like that shit, bitch? And, like, total weirdo. So (laughs) they... They leave to uh, Ramrod's apartment that's near this fucking pimp bar and outside (laughs) when they leave the bar (laughs) outside is the most hideous homeless old hag with like scabby lesions all over her face. Uh, She pretty much looks like she looks like the gypsy man from the movie Thinner, the one that like curses the guy. I guess you thinner like that guy, but imagine uh, his entire face is covered with scabby lesions. That's what this old woman looked like. And so princess and Ramrod are walking out to his Bronco and she's trying to tell princess like, Oh, don't go with him. Where are you taking that girl and getting all up in their space and shit. And Ramrod's like, where are we going? We're going to hell. (laughs) He's like, he puts princess in the passenger seat and, the old lady's like he, like the old lady's like up in his face, and he just pulls out a lighter, and he's like fucking lighting the lighter in front of her face. <laughs> he's like, he's like, you want to burn? You want to burn? Huh? I'm the devil, baby. <laughs> I will say, as fucking awful as Ramrod is, like he's hilarious. <laughs> like Wings Hauser's portrayal of of Ramrod is like one of my favorite villains in a movie of all time because he seems genuinely dangerous and insane. And he's like wearing the most, the most, the loudest baby blue and silver pearl snap cowboy shirt. Like, I mean, fuck. I mean, I can't lie. I dig Ramrod style. He's a stylish guy. (sighs) I should go that route someday. Just dress like a psychotic pimp cowboy at some point. You know, it's a good look. Want to burn? I'm the devil, baby. <laughs> I, had a, I had a Coke dealer tell me that once. I was at this party, and I was coming out of the kitchen, and there was this drug dealer guy that me and a buddy of mine were I wouldn't say we were really friends with, but he was our Coke dealer and he would always come hang out at, uh, it was like this restaurant that we used to work at and he would always like hang out at the bar and shit. And he was a nice enough guy and everything. We were at this party and I'm, uh, it's a bunch of like work employees, but it's not like, that's what, it's not like a work party, like one you would go to (laughs) where, yeah, you're outside of work, but everyone is still kind of behaving like they're at work. You know what I mean? Like you don't want to come off like a cocaine using alcoholic psycho in front of your coworkers. That's why I don't hang out with my coworkers. I don't want them to know how much of a psycho I am. So I just, I just don't even, I don't go out to work functions, but uh, at this particular restaurant, every, everybody knew that everyone was completely insane and, 
was partying all the time, so it didn't even matter. Also, we were at the like the GM <laughs> of the company's like apartment, which kind of looked like Ramrod's apartment, actually, just coincidentally. So I'm coming out of the kitchen, and um, our drug dealer guy, uh, let's call him Carl. <laughs> Carl was like a white dude, always wore leather jackets and shit. Like fucking Carl was cool as fuck, and. I'm coming out of the kitchen, and as I'm coming out of the kitchen, I turn the corner, and he has his arm extended, and he's holding, like, probably a nine-inch dagger in his hand, and I almost walked into this dagger, That's, and I stopped about two inches from it hitting my face. And I stopped dead in my tracks, and I'm, like, my eyes are focusing on this fucking the tip of this knife right in front of my face and i notice that on the tip of this dagger is a pile a little pile of cocaine and and i and then i look up at carl and he looks at me and he says i am the devil (laughs) and i knew exactly what he meant i was like fuck that's good enough for me, dude. Uh, and then I just snorted the cocaine off the fucking tip of this knife. So, so yeah, I don't, I don't ever know what happened to Carl, but you know, I hope he's, um, I hope he's doing well. So, <laughs> Princess is heading with Ramrod to Ramrod's apartment to basically have a tryout, <laughs> fill out an application, if you will. He's he's basically get a take her to his house and fuck her and um, see if she's uh, really down to be a hooker in his stable, you know? So undercover cops are all over Ramrod's apartment building. They're already waiting for them to show up. And Walsh is following the Ramrod mobile. So they're on his ass. They're just, they're fucking following him to the place Princess is wired. They're just waiting for him to say the fucking wrong thing. So they get inside and they get cozy on the couch. So at some point, Ramrod propositions Princess that, hey, you turn tricks for me. You give me the money. And I'll handle everything else, you know. And that's all Walsh needed to hear. He's like, all right, all units move in. They fucking move in. They kick the door down. Ramrod's like, you know, where's your fucking warrant, boy? And, you know, you better put your guns down. You better shoot me or fuck off. You know, he just a no fucks given attitude by Ramrod. Uh, It's kind of crazy, actually. So, and uh, what was it? Angel Fernandez is there. And, uh, (laughs) it's sort of that 80s area where there's just all this like kind of uh, creative racism just woven through the movie. It's kind of like Nick Nolte and 48 hours, you know? So fucking Walsh and tells uh, Angel Fernandez like, all right, fucking cuff this piece of shit, you know? And uh, Ramrod's like, didn't I see you picking lettuce in Salinas? And it's like, Oh Jesus Christ. That's such a, specific racial uh, insults. Uh, it's also very regional. Um, so instead of, 
instead of just cuffing him immediately, they have him up against the wall and they're like patting him down. And Princess, uh, you know, Walsh goes and checks on Princess. He's like, grab your shit. Let's get the fuck out of here, right? You know, you did your job. And Princess walks by Ramrod. And Ramrod has is just like, okay, I got busted. He doesn't know this is, was like a sting. Like he was set up by fucking um, Princess at this point. So Princess is like, walks by him is like, look, motherfucker. And she reaches in her purse and she's got this like tape recorder. She's like, fucking recorded everything you said. Now you're going to fucking pay for what you did to Ginger. And Ramrod's like, what do you mean what I did to Ginger? He's like, I just knocked her around a little bit. You know, taught her a little respect. Well, you know, whatever he said. And Princess yells in his face like, like she's dead, you fuck. And Ram, Ramrod's not aware of this, of any of this, okay? So, one, he wasn't aware that he got set up, and he wasn't aware that he actually killed Ginger. Because she ended up dying at the hospital, right? So, so <laughs> the look on Wing Hauser's face, his reaction when... Princess tells her that, oh, yeah, Ginger's dead. Just a look on his face where he's just like, she's dead. Just mouth agape. A great face acting by Wingshauser. And fucking Wingshauser, like, loses it because he's, like, the second he realizes, like, one, she's dead, and this whole thing was, like, a setup, he <laughs> grabs Princess's head and headbutts Walsh, who's standing next to Princess, with Princess's head. Which is, that's an innovative move. I've never seen somebody use somebody's head to headbutt another person. Except maybe uh, Hulk Hogan. I think he's he did the double noggin knocker on quite a few uh, heels in the, uh, in the 80s in the WWF. But other than that... Like in a movie, you don't see somebody grab someone's fucking head and then smash their head into someone else's head. It's a good move. I have to remember that. So he grabs, so he grabs fucking princess and basically is now taking her hostage inside. You know, I mean, he's cornered. You know, he's in he's in his apartment. He's totally cornered. But now he's got fucking princess held hostage, and uh, he had one handcuff on his wrist. So he fucking takes the other cuff and cuffs it to hers. So that's, that's not a bad, that's, I mean, that's not a good situation for princess. So, so now all the cops got their guns drawn on him, and he's like, come on, fucking cop, shoot me, motherfucker, shoot me pussies. So, um, Ramrod picks up this like stool that's in the living room and just cracks her in the fucking head with it and then throws it at the cops. And it flies across the room and smashes through his, like, fucking pimp bar. And then the, all the cops run in, tackle him, pistol whip him. And so now they're on top of him. He can't get away. And all those fucking Elvis paintings are falling off the walls and shit. And, and Princess, uh, who's still attached to him at the wrist, fucking, like, jumps on his chest because he Ramrod can't move at this point. He's got, like, fucking six cops on top of him. And fucking spits in his face. She's like, you're going to fucking fry, you piece of shit. And Ramrod's like, <laughs> she spits in his face. And he's just like, oh, bitch, you're fucking dead. 
<laughs> and you're like, oh, fuck. Oh, bitch, you fucked up. You fucking pissed off the wrong fucking pimp cowboy. So Walsh and Princess, after this scene, fucking they take fucking like Angel Fernandez and one of the other dudes on the Vice Squad fucking take Ramrod to the police station. And fucking Walsh and Princess, there's like a whole scene where they go bond over a fucking hot dog somewhere. And we cut back to Angel Fernandez and the other some other cop dude in the car and they're basically like busting ramrod's balls and you know like oh maybe you can go fucking uh you know you can go pimp some homos in prison and fucking you're you know you're not gonna have any fucking ladies in prison you're just gonna have to you know masturbate yourself instead of you know having hoes you know not very creative insults you know they're basically like, you're going to go to prison now and you won't have uh, reasonable access to uh, uh, fornicating uh, uh, someone's vagina. That's basically what they're saying. So Ramrod doesn't like being fucking teased. And Ramrod's handcuffed in the back seat of not like a cop car. It's just like a regular undercover car. It's just a car. And he's in the back seat. He's handcuffed behind his back and fucking... Ramrod is like, fuck this shit. He leans back and fucking kicks the dude next to him in the back seat in the face when he's wearing cowboy boots, just smashes the dude's face and then swings his legs over the seat and then wraps his legs around the fucking uh, around Angel Fernandez, who's driving, <laughs> wraps his legs around his fucking head, fucking causing the car to crash and then flip over onto its side. Ramrod slides out of the busted windshield, handcuffed, still handcuffed behind his back and then runs off into the night. The two cops are, you know, they live, but they're all fucked up and shit, but fucking Ramrod's gone. Now they, they, they just lost this fucking guy that they just busted. So, and, uh, so Walsh regroups at the station with the vice squad. He's very fucking pissed that they lost Ramrod, obviously, understandably. The mission, now that they're, you know, now that everything's fucked, the mission now is they have to get Ramrod and or Princess. Because Ramrod's loose on the streets. And if he finds Princess, he is going to fucking kill her. The first chance he gets. So the mission now is the entire Vice Squad needs to go hit the streets and find fucking Princess or find fucking Ramrod. Because if you if you get one of them, it'll keep Princess safe. But ideally, you want to get Ramrod. That would be a good idea. So we jump to Ramrod getting his handcuffs sawed off by the character of Roscoe and he's got the cuff inside of like a table clamp and Roscoe's sitting there with a hacksaw and he's just trying to saw the fucking cuff off of him and <laughs> fucking Roscoe uh, this whole movie is great in that it has it's like a Coen Brothers movie or something it's got all these little characters that have like one scene but 
they're totally memorable and really have cool shit to say. So it really just as the movie goes along, it just makes the movie because you, you keep running into all these like weird characters. So fucking Roscoe's trying to saw off this fucking handcuff off of uh, Ramrod's wrist and Ramrod's like, hurry up, Roscoe, move your black ass. And Roscoe grabs fucking Ramrod by the hair and puts the hacksaw up to Ramrod's neck. And he's like, let me tell you something, motherfucker. You don't talk that crappy shit. You hear? (laughs) Otherwise, I'll set your ass on fire. (laughs) Roscoe's... It's great. All the it's like all these underworld criminal people in this movie are fucking awesome. It's it's like it's like Escape from New York or something. Like everyone's like insane and violent and armed. It's wonderful. It's, it's what the it's what the eighties were like. If anyone wants to know what the eighties were like, everyone was insane and armed. See, people think people now are insane and armed. No, no, no. The eighties people were insane. And armed. And then in the 90s, people were illegally armed and also insane. So once he gets out of the cuffs, uh, Ramrod also, he gets a car off of Roscoe. Because Roscoe is, you know, you could tell he owns, they're like in an auto body shop or some shit. And uh, basically Roscoe is, I don't know, he it looks like he, it's like a chop shop or whatever that Roscoe kind of runs. And he gets a car off Roscoe. He gets like a blue Ford because, you know, 500 don't get you no Eldorado. So Ramrod uh, leaves there to go see this guy named Fast Eddie. And it's another one of those scenes where it's like, (laughs) there's this other fucking criminal weirdo that we just kind of, along the way, we meet. So Ramrod goes to see this guy, Fast Eddie, who's like the owner of this gay leather daddy bar. And 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 Fast Eddie's like this dude in like bondage gear and his entire head and face have the tattoo of an eagle on it. <laughs> I mean, it looks horribly painted on with like fucking uh, little kid Halloween makeup, but it, it, it still looks really funny. So... Ramrod shows up at uh, Fast Eddie's, and then they he goes into the back room uh, with Eddie and uh, acquires a, a switchblade, requires a gun, and uh, and on the wall I noticed that there was like a toilet seat, like mounted on the wall that says Scat Award of the Year, Fast Eddie, <laughs> because. That was important to Fast Eddie. That was like a major award that he was very proud of. So he, he, in this back room where he has a safe where he sells illegal guns and cocaine and weapons to psychotic criminals, he has his toilet seat scat award on the wall. See? Interesting, interesting characters along the way. You know, they don't even address the, the, the toilet seat scat award. Okay, you just know that in this world, Fast Eddie's the best. Okay, he's the best at competitive sexual shit competitions. Bang, bang, shoot up. Right. Let 
bets, man. The warm bets are out tonight. I mean, whores, faggots, pimps, and hustlers. Junkies, drag queens, and freaks, man. This city sucks. Now, Princess it doesn't have a pimp, but she used to. Ramrod makes an unsuspected visit to her old pimp, Sugar Pimp Dorsey. And Sugar Pimp Dorsey, played by Fred Berry, who you may remember as Rerun from Good Times. And Sugar Pimp goes to answer the door. And the second he opens the door, Ramrod rushes in, puts Sugar Pimp against the wall, has a knife to his neck, and has him by the balls, literally, and wants to know where Princess might be. So Sugar Pimp tells him what he knows, which isn't much, but tells him where Princess hangs out because he doesn't know where she lives, but knows where she hangs out, and Ramrod thanks Sugar Pimp for uh, his the information by cutting his balls off. So, meanwhile, Princess uh, gets rolled for pretty, like all her money that she made that for the night by this one John, who basically wanted a refund, <laughs> even though he, he like uh, you know he got what he wanted. I I guess he wanted a prostitute and and they fucked and everything and they, it was probably unprotected and i think he came in her too ugh gross and this guy was fucking they got the creepiest guy to play this particular john this guy made ron jeremy look like jason momoa just just an abhorrent human being but so so Princess, uh, you know, not not having the best night. And now at this point, she got all her fucking money taken from this fucking guy who not only wanted a refund, but just robbed her for all her fucking money. So after this, Princess takes, uh, she takes off with this like fancy chauffeur manservant guy to his employer's home. So... She's at this motel, right? And as she's leaving, this fucking chauffeur guy meets her in the parking lot. Is like, uh, yeah, your your hooker friend Coco recommended you and my boss, uh, you know, need some company for the evening. And she's like, sure, that sounds great. She sees chauffeur manservant dude. She sees a fucking limo. She's like, oh, sweet. I'm going to make all my fucking money back. Great. So <laughs> they go to the uh, the rich dude's house, princess and the uh, chauffeur guy. And Ramrod shows up at the motel. I mean, at this point, he's like hot on fucking princess's heels, right? And Walsh is on Ramrod's heels. So it's like this fucking cat and mouse thing the whole movie and it's 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 really intense it's fucking great so ramrod shows up at the motel prince is already gone she it like he shows up beats up the front desk lady and she the front desk lady that is tells ramrod that 
princess was there, but took off in this like black Cadillac limo. So Ramrod threatens some some like uh, some like hookers who are working to get the location of princess and to get this information uh not only is he threatening uh hookers he's also he's he's also kidnapping and horribly horribly beating a hooker friend of princess's named coco and uh coco who usually works the uh you know the dude in the limo the rich guy she usually goes works at that guy's place but she recommended princess for this particular evening so evening so coco's just working on the streets so coco gets kidnapped by ramrod and gets gets fucking horribly beaten and uh, ramrod like takes her out into this like trash filled alley and then just throws her out of the fucking vehicle just into a pile of trash and just leaves her for dead in this alley. So we jump to princess at the rich old dude's house where the uh, manservant chauffeur guy has her dress up in this like slutty bride wedding dress outfit. It looks like a skinkier version of the dress that, Axel Rose's supermodel wife wears in the November Rain video, if you can picture that. You're a fan of Guns N' Roses, aren't you? Especially November Rain. That's one of your favorite music videos, right? What's your let me let me see if I can guess. Uh you the listener, what are your favorite music videos? I would say probably November Rain, uh Mother by Danzig. What else? What else is your favorite music video? Uh, I Can't Dance by Genesis. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, wow, I, re- I should really I should really get a co-host or something, you know? Uh, I can sort of sit here and bounce ideas off somebody, but... Nah, fuck that. Uh, <laughs> so in this... Okay, so... There's this cool scene after Ramrod dumps Coco in the alley where Ramrod needs some new wheels, okay? He needs to get rid of the vehicle he has. And Ramrod jumps some poor fuck who's delivering newspapers in a pickup truck. And it's it's this it's great. It's in one shot the guy um, and he's not like delivering papers like people's houses. He's delivering like stacks of newspapers to like newsstands and stores. You know what I mean? So he's got big, bin, like bundles of newspapers. So in in this like in one continuous shot, Ramrod rolls up behind this dude, and he like throws him probably twenty feet over this railing into like the stairwell of like a subway and then jumps in the dude's pickup truck and drives off. And then the camera pans down the subway stairs 
to show the guy that got thrown over and he's just sprawled out, probably dead, at the bottom of the stairs. I mean, you could you, just the way it was shot, you can tell like they, <laughs> Wingshauser probably really threw the guy over the, the railing and he probably landed on like a crash pad or something. And then he had enough time to get up, move the fucking crash pad, and then just lay sprawled out on the fucking cement. So by the time the camera panned back around, you see the guy laying there. And it's just the way it was shot was great. It just showed the brutal resourcefulness of Ramrod and just how fucking cutthroat he can really be. And this dude just does, he's a total psycho and will just attack a fucking innocent person for, you know, just to steal his fucking truck. You know, it's, it's, it's really, it's great. It's great in that it really ramps up like the stakes of this story. Like it's just getting like, it's, it's getting more dangerous as we get towards the end. It's getting more intense. It's fucking brilliant. It's the whole thing where the vice squad is closing in on Ramrod, but is, constantly one step behind him. Uh, and they know if they don't get him soon, princess is dead for sure. So every time Ramrod gets a new vehicle, like, like he, he gets a new vehicle to shake off the cops, right? Cause everywhere he goes, he's doing crazy shit. So people, they're witnesses and they see him in a certain type of vehicle. So he gets rid of the vehicle, steals another one. So he's just, he's able to, he's just evading detection and it's, it's great. It really shows how resourceful of um, of a criminal he is. You know, he's crazy, but he's also very smart too. So, but uh, so okay. So let's jump back to the rich guy's house. <laughs> so, princess is, and this is another one of those scenes of like, let's just have something weird and funny in the middle of this like crazy dramatic story just to kind of just to kind of release some pressure just kind of just tone it down for just a couple minutes before we jump back into just murder and gunplay and craziness so princess remember princess is dressed like a bride she's at the rich old dude's house and she's she's instructed by the chauffeur guy uh guy to Walk down the hall while fucking, fucking here comes the bride is fucking playing. <laughs> and she has to enter this room at the end of the hall. And she's instructed to not speak a word at any point, at any time. Like, she cannot speak. She's like, she, the guy's like, okay, go in this room, but do not talk at all. So she walks in the room. She's dressed. She's dressed like a bride, and she enters this really fancy, beautiful room. And when she enters, she finds the old guy who hired her in a casket, like in an open casket. And the room is beautifully lit with, like, candelabras. And for some reason, there's just bowls of dry ice just smoking everywhere. And... She approaches the casket, totally confused, understandably so, because um, you know what kind of kink is this? You know what, what you, your kink is like. Um, 
I died and my young bride is and my bride I died the same day I got married to my young uh wife is like is that his his kink I don't understand it's like she she's like dressed like she's about to get married but he's dead in a coffin is it like weird incest porn where he comes back from the dead and fucks his daughter who's getting married on her wedding day? Is, is that the kink? Or I don't know. I don't know. It's very confusing. I don't even know how you would search that on a uh, Pornhub. I have no idea. So the, here comes the bride music, like turns into this like funeral dirge, like undertaker fucking, uh, <laughs> fucking music you know the fucking dun, 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 that that song whatever that song is called and she walks over she like looks over the casket and the old guy who's just laying there in a suit with his you know his hands on his chest he suddenly sits up and screams and she screams because, you know, he scared the shit out of her. And she, she screams like, what the fuck is wrong with you, you sick old fuck? He almost gave me a heart attack. The, and the old guy starts immediately whining like a bitch. She's, he's like, you weren't supposed to talk. You ruined it, you slut. <laughs> you were told not to talk. And the, uh, he, he calls in the manservant to come in. And he's like, what is it, sir? She's like, she talked. I, and he's like, well, sir, I told her not to. And she's like, yeah, but but she did. Get this slut out of here. And <laughs> it's a it's a weird and humorous break from all the intensity of the movie. Uh during all this, Coco's body gets discovered. Uh, like she's not dead. She actually crawls out of the trash in the alleyway and, uh, some cops happen to be driving by and find her in the middle of the road. So when they hear about this, the vice squad heads to that location where they found Coco's body because they figured she's there. Ramrod is probably somewhere nearby. Uh, cause they really don't have much to go on. They got to fucking just, they got to move when something happens. They got to fucking like go to wherever that location is. So meanwhile, Princess gets put in a cab because, I mean, the night's over. You know, the fucking old dude's fucking funeral wedding fetish fuck night has been ruined. So the manservant guy fucking just puts her in a cab and uh, sends her home. So Princess is in a cab and going the opposite way from where the police are going. So it, it's it's lined up perfectly. Like, she's just sitting at a stoplight, and the fucking cops that are heading to Coco's location, like, speed right by them. And she doesn't know that fucking Coco just got fucking attacked by Ramrod. So Ramrod, so the camera, <laughs> so she's sitting in the cab, uh, like, with her eyes closed, So because she, she's probably, you know, she's, a, she's probably exhausted. She had a long day. So she's sitting in the back of this fucking cab, waiting for the light to turn green, and then the camera, like, fucking looks through the back window, and fucking Ramrod is in this truck that he stole behind the cab, and he's fucking, like, drumming his fucking hands on the steering wheel. Like, he cannot fucking wait to get his fucking hands on her. So, 
<laughs> such a psycho. It's great. So Princess stops uh, at a payphone. So she stops at this payphone in like the parking lot of this like fast food place and she calls her daughter and Ramrod sees her on the phone and Ramrod basically chases her down in the truck and he's able to like cut her off and fucking drag her into the truck and Walsh and the squad get a report of this because there's fucking witnesses and shit and they head after the trucks. Now they have a description on the trucks. Now they're heading to this location where princess just got abducted and now they're looking for this fucking truck. So Ramrod takes her to this warehouse in this like industrial neighborhood. It's dark as fuck. No one's around. And he has this whole floor. It's like the fifth floor of this warehouse. He has this entire floor um, to himself. It's almost fat. It's kind of fashioned like a, an apartment. And you can tell that this entire floor is a place where he goes and tortures women at. There's all this fucking bondage shit everywhere. There's a fucking bed in the middle of the room with fucking shackles on the bedpost. It's just, it's a, it's a bad scene. So, um, he has, so he has princess takes her up to this fucking, this fucking, uh, place. And, Princess is thrown onto the bed. And yeah, and again, you can see there's fucking like wrist and ankle shackles, which was, uh, you know, foreshadowed in the beginning of the movie where we see fucking Ramrod shackle. He, t- he tied Ginger to the bed and fucking tortured her to death. So as soon as he throws her on the bed and you see the, the restraints, you're just like, oh shit, this is. This is the fucking end for a princess. This is this is not good. So throws her on the bed and she's like, fuck this, and kicks him in the face. And that's enough to distract him where she can like run off. So she's trying to hide in this fucking building and she ends up uh I mean <laughs> he 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 tracks her down and she ends up uh losing the whole fucking cat and mouse game like immediately and Rabrot Rabrot straps her to the bed and just cuts open his, uh, her dress with the switchblade. And she begins to scream specifically when she sees him fashioning a fucking pimp stick out of a coat hanger. And you're just like, Oh no, this is, this is, we know how this ends. This is not good. So, um, you know, and he's like, he's like, bitch, what I did at ginger, nothing compared to what I'm going to do to you. So, just then the door busts open and the fucking vice squad rolls in and just immediately shooting commences a full on fucking gunfight breaks out and Ramron ends up killing. Well, did he kill two cops? I'm just going to say for argument's sake, he killed two cops and, uh, jumps out of fucking window manages to get, uh, to this like side street behind the fucking warehouse and carjacks some fucking innocent bystander, you know? So they're basically they're it's a full on car chase, and then Ramrod 
crashes the fucking vehicle that he stole and then takes off on foot. And as Walsh is pulling up in his car, he fucking shoots at Walsh and fires through the windshield and ends up shooting Walsh. Uh, conveniently in the like upper arm near the shoulder area because that's where everyone... <laughs> That's where everyone gets fucking shot, you know, uh, in action movies. So, uh, but it's fine. It's fine. And like any good 80s action uh, finale, we end up in an abandoned warehouse at night. So, so that's when you know the end is coming. You're like, oh, cool. Our good guy and our bad guy are armed and they're in a warehouse at night. Cool. The end is, the end is near. So... Ramrod's in this fucking, uh, he runs in this abandoned warehouse and he's waiting for fucking Walsh to come through the door. So instead of getting out of the car and entering the building, Walsh just drives through the fucking door, smashes through and (laughs) chases Ramrod with the fucking car and ends up pinning Ramrod against a cement wall with his car. He doesn't like fucking plow him into the wall and kill him. But he's able to chase him down and fucking just sort of slowly push fucking Ramrod up against this cement wall that now he's stuck. He can't get away. And so Walsh is behind the driver's seat, right? I mean, but you know, he's in the driver's seat and fucking Ramrod is pinned up against the wall. So they're like five, six feet away from each other. And, Right as Ramrod raises his gun to shoot Walsh, Walsh is just waiting for him, and he just fucking shoots Ramrod twice in the fucking face. And Ramrod's dead. Walsh then goes back to the location of the shootout, and it's a mess. There's ambulances, fire trucks, and shit. There's fucking wounded cops being loaded into ambulances. And um, one of his like vice squad fucking partners is getting loaded into a fucking ambulance. And actually the guy who loads him into the ambulance, I'm pretty sure I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I'm pretty sure the, the ambulance driver that's loading him in is, uh, Sam, the bus driver from the movie speed. <laughs> you remember Sam, the bus driver, right? In the beginning of the movie, um, Sandra Bullock has to get onto the bus that ultimately ends up having a bomb on it. And the guy who's just the regular bus driver guy, his name was Sam. I'm pretty sure that dude was the ambulance driver loading in uh, the guy. So a very small, small part. It's not even a speaking role, but I just recognize the guy. But anyways, so he walks over to Princess, who's strapped to a gurney and is about to be loaded into an ambulance herself. And she, uh, she tells him... I don't know why you do it. You can't change the streets, Walsh. Then she gets loaded up in the ambulance, and the ambulance takes her away, and Walsh is just sort of contemplatively (laughs) standing there for a second, and then he just walks off. The end. (laughs) And that's the end of Vice Squad, Walsh should have said, you know what? Fuck you, you bimbo. I just saved your fucking life. Next time, you're on your own. 
dumbass hoe. But, <laughs> but that's, I mean, that's, it's one of those things where if it's not like princess is going to turn over a new leaf. I like that. They went that route where it's not like princess learned a lesson and wanted to turn over a new, <laughs> turn over a new leaf or whatever. She's just like, you know, she's just going to keep being a prostitute. You know, it's, she's the, as soon as she gets out of the hospital, she'll be right back on her knees again. And, and she still has this, I don't know. She still has this cynicism of you, you're never going to stop the crime. You can't change what the streets are. And You know, Walsh is just this fucking optimist who thinks that good will prevail over evil. And in this case, it did. But, I mean, a lot of people... A lot of people got horribly injured. Some people died. Uh, A lot of personal and public private property was destroyed. You know, it it was. It's this whole, I mean, from an, an investigative standpoint, this whole thing is a fucking mess. So. But, uh, Yeah. That's that's the end of Vice Squad. And it is fucking awesome. I 100% recommend it. Oh, so before I forget, uh, there was the running total. The uh, running princess fuck total for the evening. Uh, how many... How many Johns did Princess service in one evening, even though her, (laughs) she, she, her friend got murdered, she had to conspire against a uh, psychotic murdering pimp and forced to work with the police to apprehend him. She still managed to get a whole bunch of work done. Uh, So for my count, Princess had eight counts of prostitution, let's call it, in uh, in the film Vice Squad. So there you go. There's the running total. Princess had she had eight clients in the in the single night of Vice Squad, and there were shootouts, there was kidnappings, there was undercover busts, there were dead bodies. Card chases, an action-packed evening. It is available for purchase. It is streaming. You can get it on Amazon. You can get it on YouTube. You can get it a lot of places. If you'd like to own a physical copy, you can go to Scream Factory, and they have a lovely Blu-ray release of it. So, Vice Squad, check it out so that's gonna be it for me guys I'm gonna get out of here you could uh, keep tabs on things at skeleton underscore factory on Instagram and also you can go to the skeleton factory Patreon and support the show there and I should have some 
Patreon-only bonus episodes available there in the coming week. So again, thank you all very much for listening and for all of you who've been listening to the show for a while now. Much appreciated. And as always, this is the Skeleton Factory Podcast. Rescuing your movie night, one movie at a time. I am Adam. Have a lovely evening. Bye. Bye.